That was a good special. I really enjoyed that special. Never heard that song before, but um, I know where I was when I first heard it as well with my soul. And I was uh, just a young Christian, went to Pensacola about a year after I got saved, and uh, first time I heard that song, I, I, I didn't know the words to it, so I had my head down in the, in the uh, hymnal, but I was looking around because these people were yelling, and I looked up to see a boot coming down right next to me. A guy had jumped a couple rows in front of me, and he came down and went screaming out the back, and I just cowered and I said man what am I getting into here I didn't know what that was but um, I do while while I'm thinking about I want to thank your pastor for having me in I've known him a long time Uh, like he said I think he was graduating the year I got there and uh, so I I didn't really know him but we've known each other over the years and it's a it's a blessing to have him as a friend and I appreciate him Um, there are a few hymns I got um for you that will help you. I got stopped by a cop the other day. That happens once in a while. Um, I'm better at it now than I used to be, but I was going home from church Sunday night, and this guy got in front of me. He was going, no exaggeration, he was going like 15 in a 25-mile-an-hour zone, and it was night, and so, you know, no one's going to be around, and I went past him in a no-passing zone, and next thing, the, the headlights behind me were cop, was a cop. <laughs> I didn't, all I saw was headlights. I just, what's the chances that's a cop? Well, it was. He pulled over. I got my Bible in the seat next to me, and he says, what are you doing? And I said, passing where I wasn't supposed to. (laughs) And he said, "Uh, good, I'm glad you admit it, so I'm going to let you go. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) It's kind of hard to witness a cop when you're breaking the law, you know. But um, here's some hymns for drivers. Uh, When you're driving 45 miles an hour, your hymn is God will take care of you. When you're driving 65, it's nearer my God to thee. (laughs) When you're driving 85, is this world is not my home. (laughs) And when you hit 95, it's Lord, I'm coming home. (laughs) And then when you get over 100, it's precious memories. (laughs) All right, if you would open your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north, it whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Now he goes on and on, if you're familiar with the book, a pretty depressing book actually, uh, where a man has tried some things in life and he starts out the book saying what his feelings are about it, it's all vanity. But I want to call your attention to uh, a very important thing here of the cycle of life here. He says, uh, verse 4, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. And he's talking from a, just an earthly point of view of everything that's being done under the sun. Really, that's a theme of the book. And he's showing that everything's just continuing in a cycle. The sun came up this morning like it has couple million times and the uh, earth goes through these cycles and each generation rises up and passes on and is forgotten and the book of Ecclesiastes is not a doctrinal statement of life it's um, it's only done under the under the uh, uh, idea that everything like if I were to drop dead right now I wouldn't know what anyone else is doing here under the sun 
It doesn't mean I don't know anything. I just wouldn't know what you folks were doing. Uh, I would have something else I'd be doing. <laughs> so it's not a doctrinal statement to think that once you're dead, you're dead, and that's all there is to it. And if you don't read the book of Ecclesiastes in the light of, how it's, of, of what the theme is, you can basically prove there's no heaven or hell. Uh, if you look while you're in Ecclesiastes, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and uh, verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Well, what about the judgment seat of Christ? What about eternal life? What about eternal death? And see, as far as the theme under the sun, uh, you don't know what's going on once you die. There's, your memory's forgotten. You don't know what's going on in the day-to-day -day things of life. So it's not a doctrinal uh, treatise. This book isn't written that way. Uh, but the fact is that Solomon, in his later years, threw away a bunch of years uh, just trying to have a good time, basically, just gathering wealth. If you look at chapter 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 3. I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees, and so on. And he goes on and on about all the things he was able to just enjoy in life, and he had the wealth to do it with. Uh, people say, well, I've tried everything the world has to offer. No, you haven't. <laughs> Solomon did, and he had the means to do it. Uh, Solomon never went to a Rolling Stones concert. They came to him. Uh, he, he hired servants and manservants, as he says in the later verses there. And when it's all done, Solomon asks the right questions and comes up with the right answers. And so Solomon is really your first worldly philosopher. And yet if you study philosophy and a history of philosophy, Solomon won't even be mentioned. They'll go to the queers in Greece for the big names, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, those guys. They're four to six hundred years after Solomon came up with his conclusions. But see, a philosopher of the world cannot come to the conclusion that you better fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So Solomon just omitted from the list of great philosophers. But see, Solomon asked the right questions, and Solomon considers the right points of living in this world. The philosophers stay up all night and they try and think of something smart to say. You know, you can't step into the same river twice. Wow. Uh, everything, you, you, can, you can step in the same cow patty twice. <laughs> uh, everything's in a state of flux, so once you put your foot in the river, the next time you put it in, it's a different river. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> that's, that's who the world goes to for, for real smarts. Uh, the smartest man at Athens. <laughs> One thing I know is I know nothing. <laughs> oh, then I want to sit at your feet. <laughs> You know nothing. I, I can't wait to see what you're going to teach me. <laughs> and Solomon comes to the great conclusion, fear God, for this is the whole duty of man, for God will bring thee into judgment. <laughs> and those queers at Athens can't handle that, so let's get rid of them. Uh, but there's a cycle of life that I want to preach about here this morning, and there's been about 77 generations from Adam to Christ, and since Jesus Christ Walk this earth, there's been about another 50 more, and they've all done the same thing. All been born, all got older, and all went back to the dirt uh, in the same cycle. Uh, there's four seasons that have come around, a spring, a summer, a fall, and a winter. And that cycle is repeated. The sun during that time has risen 2,200,000 times roughly. And done the same thing. Those seasons have come around for 6,000 years. Look at Psalm 90. Psalm 90, verse 
uh, 10. The days of our years are threescore years and 10. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So those four seasons illustrate the cycle of life. And if you do reach to the, by reason of strength, reach the 80 years, then you can divide your life up into four sections, four seasons, if you will, of uh, a springtime, which would be your life from birth to 20 years old. And then that's followed by a summertime of 20 to 40 years old. And then a fall of 40 to 60 years old and a winter of 60 to 80 years old. And then what happens? It's soon cut off and you fly away. Now, you're not guaranteed of getting 80 years. You're not even guaranteed of 70 years. As a matter of fact, you're not guaranteed of tomorrow. The Bible says that you, you, what know, you don't know what's coming tomorrow. Uh, you, uh, you know not what a day may bring forth. And so you're not guaranteed of tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed of tomorrow. There's some people got up this morning, got out of bed like you got out of bed, and they feel good, they're in great health, and they're going to die out on the highway. And they're not planning on it. They have plans for many years, but they're not getting them. And so there's some considerations here, and I realize this will fall on deaf ears if you're under 20, but life's a vapor. That's what the Bible says. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. As a young person, I used to wonder, why do these old people always say life's so quick? It's taken forever to get my license and drive. <laughs> and now I realize what it is. I mean, I, I, like I said, I know that you're not going to get this if you're only 15 or 16, but it seems like yesterday I was holding this little baby. And then I walk her down the aisle, and now I'm holding her baby. Where'd that go? Like that. Like a vapor. And so I want to speak to you about this cycle of life in the first of, of springtime, and that's from birth uh, to 20 years old. And when you think about it, that, a, a good chunk of that is not even remembered. Uh, I don't remember hardly anything in my first five years of life. I mean, that, that's one-fourth of my whole springtime. <laughs> I think I remember having an old maid for a kindergarten teacher. Uh, she was kind of mean and cruel, and that's all I remember in five years of life. I don't remember where I was born. I don't remember doctors slapping me. I don't remember a lot of things when I was uh, those first few years. But springtime, that's when life comes out and starts to bloom, and that's the first part of your life. Little thought is given to the future. And probably rightfully so. You're supposed to enjoy those years and really have fun. And that's how the Lord made it. And that springtime is, is like that. Uh, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So a young person ought to enjoy life. God's given it to you to enjoy, and you ought to enjoy it in the springtime of your life. But a character's being formed during those years, and by the time your springtime's over, your personality and the type of character you are is already formed, and your springtime should be given to the Lord. Uh, David is a great example of giving that youth to the Lord. Uh, he shepherd boy out there in the fields and way beyond his years when it comes to walking with the Lord. Uh, a young teenage boy and he's looking up in the night sky and he says, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? Those are some great thoughts for a young man. And he's considering as he watches those constellations, you ever watch the constellations go across the night sky and think that the, the Lord's done that? And consider that the awesomeness of God and his power, those are, those are good thoughts for a young man. And David would, during the uh, daytime when he's with those sheep, he would look at the sun come up and he'd say, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. 
Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their words are gone out to the ends of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which rejoices a strong man to run his race. And David's having those great thoughts as a young person watching God's creation. And as a young youth in the springtime of his life, he gave it to the Lord. He, he sought after the Lord until so the Lord would say, that's a man after my own heart. He said, as a heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. It's a good idea to give your youth to the Lord. Uh, give, him, give him that springtime. Uh, Daniel's another great example of that. Daniel, a young teenage boy taken away in his youth, in his springtime, away from parents, away from family, and brought to Babylon. And that young man is a, probably a 14-year-old. I mean, he spent the whole 70-year Babylonian captivity. And he's still, and now he's, a, a, he's got to be up in his 80s, 90s by the time that captivity's over. And so he's a teenage boy, and he says, you know what? I'm going to purpose on my heart. I'm not going that way. And he gave his springtime to the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians tried to make him into a heathen Babylonian and change his diet and change his dress and change his thinking, and Daniel wouldn't do it. He gave his springtime to the Lord. So there's examples of, in the Bible of it being done. And because of it, those two men I mentioned, David and Daniel, they got to see some things. And they got to see some things that the Lord showed them in particular and individually Daniel was able to see the kingdoms that were coming in the Gentile world clear out to Jesus Christ coming. That's a great thing for a young man to see. And you can see it as a young man through the pages of that book if you'll spend time in it. You ought to give your springtime to the Lord. Uh, you go into this Bible and you start looking at things in the Bible. I don't care what age you are. You don't have to have a high IQ. The Lord will show you some things. Uh, and Christians ought to see some things from the book. Instead of seeing Biden, why don't you see the Lord? <laughs> Instead of seeing this corrupt government and all the stuff that's going on in the world, why don't you see principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places and realize there's a plan behind it, there's a conspiracy behind it. It's a spiritual conspiracy. And you, if you give your youth to the Lord, you'll see that. And for the Christian in his springtime, you have a great advantage. I, I, didn't, I couldn't give my springtime to the Lord. I wasn't saved until I was 22 years old. My springtime was gone. But he said, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And you ought to give it to the Lord. Look at Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. If you're a young person, you're being raised in this church, you ought to thank God. You got a chance to lay up some treasures that I didn't have. Don't blow it. <laughs> Take advantage of that. That's a great thing to give your springtime to the Lord. Well, as the, summer, as the uh, season progresses, you come to summertime after the springtime. Springtime's when the youth, springtime's when the green starts coming out, the leaves start popping out. And then the summer is a time of strength, and the, the plant and, the, uh, and nature comes to its strength in the summertime. Summertime of your life from 20 to 40, that's when you ought to be learning some things by experience, through books, through this book especially. Uh, at about 20 years old, Solomon was approached by the Lord. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse... Uh, Five. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as is his day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. Of course, he's talking about a little child in a sense of authority and experience. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered for, or, uh, nor counted for multitude. Now, therefore, give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. 
For who is able to judge this, I so great a people? And the Lord was pleased with that speech, and he gave Solomon what he asked for. And so the summer of Solomon's life was a, a, a great time of strength for him. He was given wisdom, far above wisdom of the philosophers, far above the wisdom of any man as for, the, for that matter. Look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 4 and verse 30. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East company, uh, country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Haman, and Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mel, and his fame was in all nations round about. And Solomon had some real wisdom. He studied the different subjects. It says down there in verse uh, 33, he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. And he spake also of a beast and of fowl and creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which he had heard, which he had heard of his wisdom. So he studied all these different subjects and was expert in them. And he had creative wisdom as well. In verse 32, he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And you know, when a Christian gives a summer of his life to the Lord, there's some great strength in that. You ought to be given, you're between 20 and 40, you have a summertime of life, you ought to be given that strength to the Lord. Paul says, quit you like men, be strong, and give that strength to the Lord. Uh, don't wait till you're 70, 80 years old and then say, okay, I'll live for the Lord now. You're not going to have the strength to do what you can be doing right now. You're not going to have the speed, you're not going to have the time. A summer given over to sin is what Solomon uh, uh, evaded, at least for a while. And he was made the wisest man around. Uh, let me ask you something, does the Lord get in your strength? You're here and you're a young man between 20 and 40. That's a great strength of life. It ought to be given to the Lord. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a time to uh, start putting some things aside. Looking forward to where you're going to pick them up one day at the judgment seat of Christ. You're spending your summer years on yourself. Well, I've got to make a living. Of course you've got to make a living. Everyone's got to make a living, but you don't put the Lord on the back shelf for that. You give them your strength. Uh, you give them that, those summer years. And that summertime also go, goes by quickly. And then you come to the fall, and you, the fall is when you're 40 to 60 years old, in the, at least in the average lifespan of man. And a fall, you know what that's connected with? That's connected with a time of harvest, a time of bringing in some fruit where you've given a springtime to the Lord, you've given a summer to the Lord, and now you've got some fruit to show for it. And a man between 40 and 60 ought to have some things where he's a good example for people to look at uh, as a Christian man. Uh, fall should be a gathering of fruit and a time of reaping. Not, not bad things, but good things. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall also reap as a promise, you know. It's not just means if you do bad, you're going to get bad. You reap to the spiritual, you'll, uh, you, you sow to the spiritual, you'll reap the spiritual. And you ought to be doing that in the fall and, and start having some harvest. And Solomon, as you saw from the book of Ecclesiastes, blew that time. And when he could have been bringing in some great harvest after being given all that wisdom, he went after the lust of the flesh, multiplied wives to himself, unbelievably even started going after false gods after all the Lord had done for him. And Solomon lived for himself. He chose the pleasures of sin for a season, which a lot of Christians do. And it may not necessarily be living a wicked life, just live a life for yourself. And what you do is you blow your harvest time. You lose out on some fruit. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you certainly will lose some fruit. And Solomon allowed his lust for many strange women to turn aside his heart and follow after gods. And the book of Ecclesiastes describes how Solomon did that, accumulating that wealth for himself, going out and having the means to do it so he just enjoyed life. I went after it in the flesh. You know what happened when he started getting toward the end of that fall time? 
realized it didn't taste as good as it did when he started out. And he wrote the Proverbs. And he said, when you start, first start drinking in that world, boy, it tastes good. There's some good pleasure in it. But then it's like gravel in your mouth. And after a while, you have to start swallowing that stuff. And it ain't so much fun. And that's when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes after blowing his fall time. And he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You ought to listen to a man who tried it. In your years from 40 to 60, in your fall, you ought to give it to the Lord. Solomon pushed the limits of God's mercy. And there is a line out there. And you can cross it. And you keep on doing it year in and year out. Eventually, the Lord said, that's enough, Solomon. I'm just taking the kingdom from you. I'm splitting it up. And it cost him his whole nation. And the Lord sent enemies after Solomon to hound him and give him, give him hard time at the end of his life, putting, putting up opposition from the Lord. That ain't the way you want to spend your fall time. Joshua was a good example of a man who gave the Lord his summer and then his fall came in, and boy, did he get to reap some great things. I mean, Joshua was just a man following Moses, right? Here he is just doing what he can as a young man in the summer of his life, giving his strength to the Lord and just doing whatever it took to be a good servant. And the Lord said, Joshua, I'm going to have you go in and reap the harvest now. And he went into that harvest time, and the book of Joshua shows him just defeating king after king after king and tribe after tribe after tribe and taking, up the whole, taking over the whole land. What a great reaping he saw, even to the point where Joshua chapter 10 says there's a day of Joshua that there's never been one like it before or since. It was such a marvelous day. The sun stopped. You ain't done that, have you? <laughs> but when, when that, in, that, in that same battle, the Lord started throwing rocks from heaven at Joshua's enemies. That's, that's pretty good... Uh, <laughs> battle plan, isn't it? <laughs> Would you rather have a U.S. Uh, smart bomb or the Lord? <laughs> the Lord, Lord? Lord let Joshua reap some great falls time, a great harvest, uh, some good fruit. Just all the way through, you see Joshua being told by the Lord, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Keep going, Joshua. You can do this. And if you're in the fall of your life, you ought to keep going. Be not afraid and encourage yourself in the Lord and continue on and, and look forward to a good harvest time. And then you come to the winter. You come to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And winter, of course, is the last stage of life. In the average cycle here, it'd be from 60 to 80 years old. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree shall flourish and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Pretty depressing. <laughs> and you know, your winter time of 60 to 80 years old is going to be pretty depressing if you don't do something about the younger years. And you'll start looking at the time when your back gets crooked and your knees hurt and the pains are all over and you're just going heading toward your long home with regret. It ought not to be that way in winter time. The physical body is going to slow down. It has to. You're not going to beat Father Time. <laughs> You're going to slow down. You're not going to be able to do what you used to. Your strength is going to leave. Your stamina is going to leave. Uh, when I was younger, I'd, I'd get, get the alarm and jump out of bed, literally. Just jump right out of bed and get going. If I jump out of bed now, the whole room's going to start spinning. <laughs> I have to kind of sit up slowly. <laughs> And take that one leg and drop it off the mattress. Okay, it's not doing too bad. <laughs> kind of slowly bend the knees and see if it's still going to work. 
It doesn't do what it used to do. Uh, keep your hand here in Ecclesiastes. Look at 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 19. He was a great man in the wintertime of his life, and he was faithful to his king. 2 Samuel chapter 19, and when David had his own son go against him, this man stuck with him. And 2 Samuel 19, verse 31. And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Ogelim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. So David went over the Jordan River to try and escape um, Absalom, and Barzillai took care of him when he was in that fleeing mode. And now David's coming back in victory, and Barzillai is still there. And David says, You know what? I want to reward you. And verse 34 says, And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old, and, I cannot, and, and can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? That's not dying the same way Solomon died. That's saying I've done all I can. Now physically... I, I have no business going with you to eat at your table. You have some sumptuous meals, and I can't enjoy those. I can't taste what I eat anymore, and I don't even hear the, the sounds anymore. My hearing's going. But he's not saying that regretfully. He's saying that thankfully. He says, you know what, David? Why don't you take my servant, this young man, let him, let Chimham see what it's like to be with the king. I already know what it's like to be with the king. I already know what it's like to give the Lord, my king, uh, everything. And it's worth it. It's worth it so much. I got a young man I've been training and I want him to see what it's like. Would you take him over? And he does. You getting to be an older man? You in the wintertime? There any young man around here that will look up to you and say, when I get to be like him and that gray hair, I want to be, have a life like that. Does anyone see the joy in your life having given the Lord your fall and your summer and now the winter time is there are you just a grumpy old <laughs> whatever <laughs> you're just an old geezer miserable vanity of vanities all is vanity saith the preacher <laughs> ought not to be that way some young some young man ought to be looking at an older man 60 80 years old and saying i want to be like that I was a 22-year-old punk when I got saved. Didn't have any character in me. I got down to Pensacola, and this guy was old. I mean, he was, he was like 56 years old. You talk about old. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, if he can do it, I can do it. He didn't tell me to do anything. He was just an example. And I said, when I get that old, that's pretty old, 56. <laughs> If I ever reach that ancient age, <laughs> I want to have something of a life like that. How about you, Christian? Barzillai had a young man there that was watching him and saying, this is where I'm going to follow this old man. This is worth following. That's a great winter time. Paul, the apostle, of course, is a great example of giving his strength to the Lord and then getting to the last days. And there's no vanity of vanities in his life. He says, hey, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready to be offered. Let's go. There's a, there's a spring in his step, and maybe not physically, but spiritually there is. And he says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but also all them that love is appearing. And Timothy, if you're going to come, you better come quick. Come before winter, because I'm ready to go. And he's not sorry about it. He's ready to go. He told Timothy, Timothy, you want to see me again? I'm getting out of here. And I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've finished my course. I've fought a good fight. Is that you, old man? Old woman in here? Your year has been given to the Lord, so your winter years aren't holed up in some cabin with the winds howling outside and the snows falling and you can't do a thing.
You're just miserable. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Winter time's a time to look forward to going home. I'm, I'm ready to go. I still, in my mind, it's amazing how the mind thinks, but I feel like I'm young. But then I have to look in the mirror. <laughs> and I'm not young. <laughs> I, don't, I don't consider myself, in my thinking, I don't consider myself an old man. But then I try and run. <laughs> and it's a different story. <laughs> But when you live your cycle of life for the Lord, there's a joy. There's an anticipation of death. There's not a sorrow to it. Honest, I could finish this message and drop dead right now, and there's no regret. I'm ready. I believe this book. I'm going to see the Lord. And I've done my best to give him what I had. I couldn't give him my springtime, but I'm sure glad I gave him my summer. And there are times in my summertime I remember being those years, uh, 20 to 40 years old, and a couple hard things happening, and one time coming real close just quitting. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> and then the 40 to 60 years gone, and that fall, I sure am glad I got some harvest time there that I was able to give to him. And he's going to give me some stuff back. I have some stuff waiting for me at the judgment seat of Christ this world can't take. I mean, I don't care if you're invested in the stock market. That might be a wise thing to do, but I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I don't care what the stock market does. The stock market can rise to astronomical heights or fall to the depths. It won't affect what I got in heaven. <laughs> I got some things they can't take. I've helped some missionaries in a way that the judgment seat of Christ is going to reward me. I haven't done right with all my money, with all my time. But I've done the best I can. I've given what I can. And I'm looking forward to a new body. My wife and I have conversations that have, my, my daughter laughs at us. She, she listens to us. We, we misunderstand each other. The hearing's going. The other day she said to me something about, did you, she said, do you uh, want some fish? And I said, I already got my dish. And she said, I didn't say dish. I said fish. And I said, well, I don't know. And it's always going like that. Well, one day I'm going to have supersonic hearing. <laughs> I'm going to be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, <laughs> faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> I'm getting a new body. I'm looking forward to it. I don't have regrets. I'm going to have x-ray vision. Go to the doctor and he puts two new lenses in my eyes, cataract surgery, and i got a fake hip and the other one going and two bad knees, and I don't care. <laughs> He, I, I've, I've spent it for him. I've given it to him, and I could tell you young people, it's worth it. <laughs> I don't have any regrets. I was talking to a man the other day trying to see if I could get him saved, and he's saying, you ask my wife, I'm not afraid to die. And I said, you know, a lot of people say that because they don't really think about it. They don't really put thought into it. It's easy to say I'm not afraid to die, but wait till that death comes in your door. And I've, I've been at the deathbeds of some lost men and lost women, and they don't talk tough. They don't act tough. Not when it's right there with them in the room. Not when they know it's at any moment. I've watched a number of people take their last breath, and there's a difference between being saved and lost. And you won't talk bad in that day if you're lost. You won't talk tough about how you're going to party with your friends in hell. Not when you're facing actual death. It's easy to say it now. You know, I could say, I'm not, I'm not afraid of uh, some boxer, whoever the heavyweight boxer, I don't know who it is, a champion. I'm not afraid of him. Yeah, because he's not in the room with me. <laughs> but if he's right here, I'd talk a little different. And all kidding aside, I've watched a lost man dying in horror, in terror, in fear. Because now all the jokes are put aside. Now it's eternity. And I remember what it was like to not know what would happen when I died. I wonder what will happen when I die, and I had no answers. And that's a fearful thing. What most people do is they just put it off. Don't think about it. Or go get drunk. I remember my grandfather dying. I was just a little boy, and that's the first time I came across death. I had to go to the wake and see my grandfather lying in that casket. 
just a little boy tugging on my mom's skirt in front of everybody up there in front of the Roman Catholic funeral there, and I tugged my mom's skirt. Can Grandpa see us? Is he going to wake up? <laughs> Quiet. Yeah, but I wanted to know. What's Grandpa doing? I'm kind of shushed, and you know, I noticed everyone went off and got drunk. So I went back to my uncle's house and just started drinking. Why? So I don't have to think about it. But that's going to be you in the casket one day. You ready? It's easy to talk tough. Well, it's probably not going to be today. Yeah, so you can talk tough. But when it comes, if you get a warning, and it comes. I went into the hospital one time to talk to the dad of a woman in our church who couldn't get anywhere with her dad. And you know how it goes sometimes. The dad doesn't want to listen to his own kid. So I went in there, and he was facing some major surgery. And I went to talk to him, and I said, sir, you know this this is pretty serious and you might not come off this table alive. Are you ready for what happens next if you were to die? I'm not afraid. Don't worry about me. I said, well, I'm not necessarily worried about how the surgery comes out. I'm worried about your soul. What about your soul? Where are you going to spend eternity? He said, don't worry about me. I'm good. I said, okay, sir. Well, if that's, that's the way it is and I can't help you really. And I started to leave and he said, don't leave. And I said, what? And he said, don't leave me yet. So I turned around and I started giving the gospel again and partway through it his lip was quivering and he was getting a little scared and he said, uh, don't, don't worry about me, I'm all right, I'm good. So, well, sir, if you're good, then Jesus Christ can't save you because he came to save the ungodly. And if you're good, then there's nothing, I don't have any news for you. And I started to walk away and he said, don't leave. I came back and make a long story. That happened three times. And the third time, tears were coming down his face, and this time he got saved. It wasn't tough talk when the death was in the room. And he was facing it. Are you saved? You know it? The Bible says you can know. And you might not be in your winter years. But if you are, death's right around the corner. If you're a young person, that's still right around the corner. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, just speaking of Christians here, what cycle are you in? What part of that cycle of season are you in? You say, well, preacher, I've blown my springtime. All right, don't blow your summer and fall and winter. You say, well, I've blown the springtime and the summer. All right, don't blow the fall and winter. Whatever you have left, don't continue on in the wrong state. Do something about it. Give the Lord what you have left. You're a young person, you got all plans, you're going to leave the Lord behind. The Bible tells you, that's the great thing about the Bible. The Bible tells you how it's going to come out before it takes place. You leave the Lord behind. I know you don't believe this now, but one day you're going to say, I wish I hadn't. It was all vain. It was all a waste, and now here it is. It's gone. Are you saved? You ought to be giving the Lord your springtime, your summer, your fall, and yes, your winter too. If you're lost, would you please consider where you're going to spend eternity? Your body isn't going to last forever. You're going through this cycle like generations have and generations have come and gone before you you're going through the same cycle you're headed for the ground your body but your soul's eternal you are an eternal being once you were born you started an eternal life somewhere and that eternal life is going to be with jesus christ or it's going to be eternal life with death in hell and you don't have to go it's a foolish thing to pay for something that's already been paid for you. And Christ died for you. And you can know. The shock of my life at 22 years old was someone could know that they have eternal life. Not hope I'm going to get it when I get to the judgment. That's religion. Salvation is you can have it right now. And know it. Do you know it? I was a 21-year-old and didn't know it. 
Didn't know what was going to happen to me when I died. And if you trust Jesus Christ, you can know that you have eternal life. But I'm promising you from the Bible here this morning, you're going to spend somewhere forever. Are you ready? No tough talk. I mean, honestly, you ready? You know where you're going to spend eternity if you were to drop dead right now? Well, I'm going to turn it over to the pastor here, and you listen to him. You have a chance to receive eternal life as a free gift. Christ died for you. And if you reject him, that's what will damn your soul. If you receive him, that's what will save your soul. It's that easy. Father, we pray that you might help your people consider this cycle that you've placed them in. They might take inventory of where they stand with what they're doing with the strength of their years. And Lord, I pray that you might help someone fix something that needs to be fixed here this morning and get in the right train of thought about what they're doing with their days. And as David said, teach us to number our days. We don't know what a day might bring forth, so help us to give this day to you. And tomorrow, if we get it, give that to you. Now, Lord, if there's one lost here this morning, we pray you might open their eyes to their condition before you. Not religion, not church membership, not baptism, but just where they stand before you. And without Jesus Christ, they stand as your enemy, unforgiven. And I pray they wouldn't remain that way but they do something about it before it's everlasting too late. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in an attitude and spirit of prayer. As the instruments play, some are coming forward to pray. The Bible says redeeming the time. That would be right now. Redeem the time. If God spoke to you, you need to come and pray. Just do it. Don't say, well, when I get home, you'll get distracted. It won't happen. Do business with God now. Very applicable to every one of us here in the building as believers. And if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, God wants to save you. We want to help you with that. We're not here to make you a Baptist. We're not trying to get into your wallet. Just so want to answer any questions you might have about being saved, have a word of prayer with you and get it fixed. God offers you a free gift. And that gift is eternal life. You heard about the brevity of life. And as you get older, you realize it. It's not real till when you're young. But as you get older, you see it. God wants to give you a remedy for that. Eternal life. No end to it. No end to it. But you must receive Jesus Christ by faith as your personal Savior from your sin. You can do that right now in your seat if, you, if you'd like. If you don't know him, tell him you know you're a sinner. And you agree with him that that sin should take you to hell. But thank him that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. And receive Christ as your personal Savior. He spent three days and three nights in the grave, but he rose from the dead, victorious over death and sin. And he wants to be your Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call on him right now by faith. Maybe you're looking in live stream. You can do it there, too, wherever you're at. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help us as believers. Whatever season of life we find ourselves in, going forward from here today, help us to make the, the most of every minute, every hour, every day. Because indeed, the years are fleeting. And as Solomon concludes, that man goes to his long home. Thank you so much, Lord, for eternal life. 
I, I would not even want to think about getting old without you. Thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Bless the remainder of this invitation. Bless these that have come. Help us as we sing this song. Help us to mean it from the heart. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 405. Number 405, take my life and let it be. somewhere where are you brother would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer all right father i thank you for this day uh, god i thank you for the opportunity god we had to be in church today and to be able to hear this preaching and uh, lord from here we have to apply it uh, god we've had some food for thought from last night in sunday school and this morning and lord we're expecting tonight to get the same stuff but, Lord, it'll fall on deaf ears if, if we don't go out there and do something with it. So I ask God to please help us, Lord, uh, put action and practice to what we've heard today. Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would come to you. We love you, and we ask, Lord, just help us, Lord, today to go out and be Christians. In your name I pray, amen.